Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. Please pray with me now as I begin to preach. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that my words, the meditations of all our hearts, and our very lives reflect the fullness of your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I had a really hard time making myself sit down this week to write this last sermon in a series of three. Not because of the content, I'm excited to share the content with you, but it became painfully obvious as my week progressed that it was because this is my very last sermon as your associate pastor here at St. Paul's. I found many other important things to do rather than prepare this message, such as in getting ready for our move to Corona, washing and organizing our ski snowboard clothing that had been stashed in garbage bags in our garage. Of course, we stashed these things about three years ago and we hardly ever ski or snowboard, so this was not an important task. However, I found myself feverishly accomplishing it anyway, instead of sitting down to pray, think, and prepare these words. Which, as it turns out, that experience related precisely to the content of this last sermon, staying in my lane. Understanding common signs of anxiety in our relationships and our lives so we can be aware of them and choose to rebuild healthy relationships and healthy lives instead. If you haven't heard either of the first two sermons in this series, I encourage you to listen to them on podcast or watch our YouTube channel, because in this sorta, maybe, kinda post-pandemic time, as we may back in, make our way back into social life, we hope this series helps you focus on rebuilding relationships and beginning new ones based on our own healthy functioning. That's the point of this message in the last two. For me, these past few months of preparing to move and lead a different congregation honestly has been an experience of acute anxiety on top of our previous acute anxiety just about our pandemic. As I said in the previous two sermons, Anxiety is a human experience. Everyone experiences anxiety. But if we understand ourselves and our family of origin, the family we grew up in better, we can choose to think and respond in healthier ways than react with the lower part of our brain that causes more problems sometimes in doing that. I'm continuing to work on this with all of you, I promise. I'm not done yet. I said my experience of finding other things to do rather than sit down and prepare, prepare this message related precisely to today's content. So let me explain by looking with you at our scripture lesson for today. Uh, I'll say again, looking with you, I do hope that you're able to pick up a Bible with you even if you need to pause this for a moment uh, or open your Bible app um, it's an, the story we're looking at is, again, a familiar passage from Luke this time, 
but I do pray that God will breathe new life into it for all of us. So get your Bible and we'll look at Luke chapter 10. It's the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Hear these words. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. As you heard that, maybe again, maybe for a lot of times again, was there anything that stood out for you this time? Anything that made you curious or want to study these words more? I hope so, because curiosity is a wonderful stance to come to as we read scripture, and I encourage that in you. For me, as I studied and thought about and read this passage for today, two things stood out like sentinels, and they happened to be two of the five common signs of anxiety in relationships that I'm going to explain I'm gonna explain these two more in depth and then just briefly mention the other three. So uh, we'll do two of the five more in depth. Sometimes when we encounter this passage about Martha, Mary, and Jesus, one of the things that stands out is that Martha is a doer and Mary is a thinker. Though there are many ways to describe that, those stances that we take, that's just one way to say that. Sometimes, as we read this passage, we associate ourselves with either Martha or Mary, rather than seeing that most of us are actually a combination of those two stances in them. Regardless, it's true that Martha seems to be, in this passage, a busy person, concerned with many things, as Jesus says, one of the five common signs of stress or anxiety in relationship systems is something called overfunctioning, underfunctioning. I'll say that again. Overfunctioning, underfunctioning. In this passage, it seems clear that Martha takes over the responsibilities, especially of her sister Mary. Since Martha's name is mentioned first in this passage, it's a key to us that likely she's the eldest of the two sisters, and it probably comes pretty naturally to her to be taking on most of the responsibilities anyway. If you heard any of my last message in this series, this will make sense to you. In many cases, a person who's the oldest child has that stance of over-functioning, of doing a lot of the work. It's a way of temporarily relieving anxiety in that relationship. Overfunctioning 
looks like in me, taking on projects that really aren't as important as they seem to be in the moment, like organizing our ski and snowboard clothes instead of really sitting down and being with my feelings and thoughts about preaching this last sermon. Overfunctioning is a way of temporarily alleviating internal anxiety or external conflict with others instead of being aware of difficult feelings in difficult situations and dealing with them. I say temporarily because most of the time when we overfunction or underfunction or deal with anxiety this way, it just returns when it hasn't been dealt with truly. In this passage, Jesus' arrival with his disciples creates a frenzy of hospitality obligations. In those days, women were usually the ones who took on that role of hospitality. But it's interesting to be able to observe it from afar today and see Martha and Mary's family system at work. As the passage says, Martha was concerned or greatly troubled with many things. From her perspective, she took on all the work because Mary didn't seem to be doing her part and she had to. The question is, did Martha's choice to overfunction contribute to Mary's underfunctioning? System theory suggests that's the case. If Martha had been able to take a stand with her true thinking about what she could handle or what she believed her role really was and not temporarily relieve her anxiety by doing everything herself, it would have created a vacuum which others, possibly Mary, then could have filled. It's hard to do that. In my home, if other family members' dishes have been in the sink for a while and I'm feeling anxious about that, I've learned over the years to not relieve my anxiety by overfunctioning and washing them myself, but to withstand the temporary pain of it. The amazing thing is, when I choose not to overfunction, it doesn't allow others to underfunction. Instead, it creates an opportunity for others to do their part, and I don't take over. Miraculously, they usually do. Can you see how this example could work anywhere, in any system, even in a congregation? If we notice that we're over-functioning, doing things that we don't need to be doing or don't need to take on, or if we start to be upset about someone else's under-functioning, that's a sign there's anxiety in the relationship that really should be addressed, to take time to think about it. It's a sign we're not doing a good job of staying in our lane of defining ourselves, of really thinking through what we believe and then taking a stand on that and living out our life that way while staying lovingly connected to everyone else. The second thing I noticed in this passage, which you might also have noticed, was Martha's request of Jesus in verse 40, where she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This points to the second common sign of anxiety in relationships, triangling. 
Triangling is just like it sounds, bringing a third person into a situation to temporarily relieve anxiety in a two-person relationship. Roberta Gilbert says in her book, Extraordinary Relationships, which I really recommend if you want to learn more about any of this, it's called Extraordinary Relationships by Roberta Gilbert. She says this, the human dyad is so unstable that when two people who are important to each other develop a problem, which they invariably will do, they automatically look around for a third person to include in the anxious situation in some way. Thus, the anxiety is relieved temporarily by sharing it with a third person. That sounds familiar, right? An example of triangling can be found consistently in families among two parents and a child. If there's some situation causing anxiety between spouses, quite often that anxiety will be relieved by the parents focusing instead on a problem they see in the child. In her book, Gilbert describes a husband and wife who spend countless hours bonding over concern for their rebellious young adult son, who it seems becomes even more rebellious the more they focus on his behavior instead of their own relationship. When things continue to just get worse, the father decides it really isn't in anyone's best interest to worry about their son's activities. Instead, he begins to work on getting emotionally neutral in the triangle while staying connected to both wife and son. As he works on that, he finds anxiety decreases in the whole relationship system. No matter how anxious his wife gets about their son, he works on calmly listening, considering his own thoughts on the matter, and responding calmly, telling his wife, what he thinks in a loving way, but taking a stand on what he thinks, adding that he's certain she'll be able to work out her concern directly with their son and not offering suggestions or or advice on how to do that, which might be the hardest part in working on this. The husband's work at detriangling helped his wife get control of her own anxiety and communicate more thoughtfully and calmly with the son, who in turn began to copy his parents by taking thoughtful interest in his own life direction. They all begin to stay in their lane and the anxiety decreases. In a sense, this is what Jesus does in this passage. If you look back at verse 41, how does Jesus respond to Martha? First, the double statement of her name, Martha, Martha, an immediate sign of his effort to speak tenderly and without his own anxiety in the situation. Then he calmly states his own beliefs that Mary, in his thinking, made a good decision for herself, and he wasn't going to get involved in trying to change that in her. Jesus stays in his lane. He doesn't get involved in the triangle, but lets Martha and Mary continue to work things out for themselves. When we consider talking to one friend about another friend, rather than talking directly to the first friend, that's a sure sign of anxiety in ourselves. 
and a place where we might need to work at defining ourselves better with that original friend. Staying in our lane by doing our own thinking and directly communicating will create much healthier relationships and we'll be happier people in the process. The last three signs of anxiety in relationships are distancing, cut off, and patterns of conflict. So I'll say the five again because I mentioned the two first. One which is uh, triangling and distancing, cut off, patterns of conflict, and then the first was overfunctioning, underfunctioning. Distancing is pretty straightforward. When a friend or family member or coworker begins to find ways to get away from us or we try to find ways to get away from them, it's a sure sign there's some anxiety that needs to be addressed. There's something we need to do in our own thinking about some situation and then really make clear in that relationship and work toward that in our life. We're probably not being clear about what we think and not taking a stand, and so that's causing anxiety in the situation. So we distance ourselves instead to temporarily relieve that anxiety. Cutoff is just a more severe form of distancing, right? Most of the time we practice cutoff when we've gotten so fused with someone and we're trying to create clear boundaries. So rather than talking about what we think or taking a stand on what we think, the easier reaction is to distance and probably then, or a lot of times, completely cut off. Again, this doesn't bring peace, really. It just spreads the anxiety in other places. Lastly, those relationships where we tend to experience cycles of intense disagreement and then intense closeness are patterns of conflict. It's called patterns of conflict. It's an emotional ping pong that sometimes includes physical, verbal, or emotional abuse. As with these others, it's merely a way of handling anxiety in the relationship. Some suggest with this pattern of conflict, getting your feelings out or learning to fight fair might change the pattern, but the best change would probably come by stopping the focus on the other person and instead beginning to focus on oneself. Becoming aware of our real beliefs and then speaking them out loud and living into what we believe while staying connected to the other reduces our own anxiety and everyone else in that system. In this way, we're staying in our lane. When I was thinking about what I wanted to preach these last three sermons before my ministry ends here, I knew right away I wanted to leave you with these ideas that I've been presenting about rebuilding healthier relationships. It's my deepest hope that you'll continue to be curious about the family you grew up with and how that system affects your life today, and then continue to work on being less anxious in all your relationships. It's been such an honor to preach and teach here at St. Paul's United Methodist Church. Thank you so much for allowing me to be one of your pastors these last three years. God bless you all and give you peace. Amen.